This is Chapter 2 of Len Bertain's book, How to Win the War on Waste in 90 Days. How I Got Started 29 years ago, I stood in front of a group of employees who had been forced to attend a class I had been contracted to deliver. It was a training program that introduced a small manufacturing company to the principles of the Toyota production system. The Toyota production system is the basis of current lean manufacturing and Six Sigma programs. In essence, I was teaching a method for identifying and eliminating waste in business processes. To illustrate my thoughts about how this system should be applied to American industry, I had prepared over 160 slides, including charts, graphs, illustrations, texts, and checklists. I was to show these slides in conjunction with a series of interactive lectures scheduled to run over 10 weeks at the rate of one hour sessions three times a week. As with all my projects, the entire company was required to attend. Everyone from the custodial personnel to the CEO. On this first day of class, I had a rude awakening. I had introduced myself and moved right into my presentation feeling pretty good about the way things were going. I was on the fourth slide and I noticed a raised hand in the back of the room. Yes, I said, wondering what this confusion could be about this early in the presentation. After all, this was the great Ludden Bertain in front of her. My name is Mabel, she said, and I have a problem. Mabel was a middle-aged production worker who had labored on the assembly line for over 20 years. I can't understand your slides, she said. I asked her why not, expecting a smart-assed answer and thinking wearily to myself that there is always one in every group. Her answer astounded me. I can't read, she said. So I tried to clarify what she had said. Do you mean you can't see my slides clearly? And she said, no. I'm illiterate. I can't read. I was blown away. The whole four months' worth of material I had prepared would be of no value to her, nor to anyone else who couldn't read. I had assumed that reading was a basic skill, forgetting that some production and line workers don't have much more than an elementary school education, yet they all needed to learn the skills outlined in this new management system I was going to be talking about. But how would I keep Mabel up to speed with the rest of the class? I didn't want to single her out any more than she already was, yet it was imperative that I communicate to this class in a way the rest of the classes would find compelling and appropriate. I had very little time to decide. Twenty pairs of eyes rested on me waiting for my next move, and a first draft of the War on Waste emerged. I had appealed to their individualism by opening up the lecture to the employees and posing a question. Did they know of any wasteful processes currently in place at the company? My land. My question was greeted with hearty laughter. Talking about how messed up a company is has to be everybody's favorite pastime. But before the conversation could deteriorate into a negative company bashing free-for-all, because that's what it was quickly becoming. I outlined a few rules. I call this 
chalking the field, which is defining the boundary of the discussion. We would identify a wasteful process and make an early attempt at finding the root cause of the problem. I told them not to worry about what anyone else would think about the idea, not to blame anyone for the inefficient process in place. I wanted to concentrate on the best way to solve the problem. The removal of blame allowed the full force of employee individualism. When you identify a waste, you experience the strength of individual thinking. And because Mabel spoke English and had ideas, she became involved in the process. Hands shot up faster than I could call on people. People from every corner of the room were sharing their thoughts about things that just weren't working right in the company. Poor lighting in the production area caused workers to make mistakes. Disorganized machine tools and fixtures wasted a lot of time trying to find them. Inventory not there when it was needed for an assembly really wasted a lot of time. Poorly designed packaging wasted employee time because all four sides of the packaging of the box took a long time to tape. Expensive styrofoam coffee cups were used in the coffee room. I left the last waste in the list to show that we always have some smarter, smart alecks in the class. I don't usually comment about those sorts of ideas because it just might have some great significance that I don't know about. In this case, it was just funny input. The list developed over a couple of days until we had about 45 different items to think about for this group. I listed each item on a flip chart using pictures and simple diagrams whenever possible. I was enthralled by the enthusiasm I was seeing. All the ideas weren't big money makers, but the enthusiasm was intoxicating. While I always tried to make my lectures interesting, I'd never experienced participation on this level before. But it made perfect sense. These people spent their lives in the trenches working with these inefficient systems day in and day out until I imagined that most of them wanted to scream out of sheer frustration. They'd never before been asked for input on their ideas for improving things. Now, finally, someone was asking them. What was wrong with the company? What a rush. As I proceeded further into the program, I had each of the ten classes quantify how big the wastes were. This was a new experience for me. I had never before analyzed wastes in a business in exactly this way. So for me, it was a totally new learning experience. Over the next several weeks, we identified a problem that we wanted to tackle. As it turned out, each of the separate classes had identified a number of projects that helped improve the processing of a key component. So we ended up giving each class a challenge to come up with a redesign of the factory layout based upon TPS principles. We used class time to work through the design and proposed a single solution to management. It was accepted and the changes were implemented over the Christmas break. When we walked into the factory after the holiday, it looked exactly as we had designed it, and boy was everybody excited. They had made a proposal to management and it was accepted. Moreover, it was implemented quickly, and it worked exactly as we had designed it. This was an important step in the history of the war on waste. It proved a couple of things. 
First, people could participate and really get into the process wholeheartedly. Second, it showed the value of teamwork as a basic unit of war on waste projects. <coughs> we tried a couple of approaches, but it quickly became the system that you see today. We have been doing the current version of the war on waste for 27 years with one minor modification. When early war and waste teams made a proposal to management, we used them and we allowed them to spend $5,000. But we found over time that most teams never spent over $1,500, so we set the spending limit at $2,000. For the last 15 years, the war and waste has been the following six-step program. Step one, identify a waste. Employees are shown the basics of the war on waste and are formed into teams of four to six employees. The teams come up with a waste that needs to be addressed. Step two, find the root cause. This is not a trivial step. Very often there is an obvious cause that is not the root cause. It may be the cause of the problem, but it is not the root cause. It takes teams some time to get there. Size the waste. We challenge teams to figure out how big the waste is by costing the waste and its annual impact. If it is a productivity or process waste, we use lost time or output. If it is a sales waste, lost opportunity, we look at lost sales. With either option, we are looking for at least $100,000 of waste for each team. Step four, propose a solution. When a team has a clearly defined waste, the solution is pretty easy. Over the years, I've helped teams here a little bit, but most of the time they figure it out themselves. Step five, define an implementation plan. This plan consists of the steps needed to implement the proposed solution. This includes when it will be done, who will do it, and how much each step will cost. Step six, to find the metrics. The metrics are used to tell interested parties what measure will be used to indicate the success of the implementation. When a team puts their idea in play, it is really a fun experience for both them and their team members. It is good for the team, and it is really good for the company.